I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska, and beside me is... Scott Ryan? Yeah. Oh, Scott! <laughs> Scott <here>. Ryan! <laughs> Yay! Because I thought it was weird that you started that way, because you actually made me sit in between you as, as a Twin Peaks unwrapped sandwich, and I don't have a lot of room. We're a little closer than I think it... So that's why I got a little... I feel a little right. strange. Really I'm the baloney in this sandwich. Yeah, you're like, where where do I go? Scott Ryan, I mean, you are known for the Blue Rose magazine. You've done um uh what is it that you did that the Fest of the Twin Peaks Festival documentary. You've done uh of course the Red Room podcast and uh and so much more and uh, you're a good friend of ours and we you know we've been thankful to be able to put our book you know that you published you know out to the world and thank you and but you've got something happening now you've got a new book uh it's based on Firewalk with me film and i can't believe this that you have never done a twin peaks book before because it seems like you would have by now but it's Firewalk with me your lord disappeared yeah, it is crazy because a couple years ago, I was very much into my Letterman promotion. And I was lucky enough to be out in New York City um, interviewing some Letterman people. And I was saying how I was doing this book and they were sort of getting my background. And, and I, I talked about Twin Peaks and because they asked, what is your next book going to be? And I said, I, I don't know. And they said, well, what are you doing? They said, you got to do a Twin Peaks book. That's your brand. And I said, I don't want to do a Twin Peaks book. I just, I got nothing to say. And then it was sneaking up the 30th anniversary. I mean, and this book just sort of came to me. I thought if I got to do one, because everybody's got one. Ben and Brian has one. Brad Dukes has one. Josh Minton has one. John Thorne has one. Courtney Stallings has one. David Bushman has one. All of our friends. You're the only one. You're the only one of our friends that doesn't have a book. Yeah. So I was like, Firewalk with me. That is, that was the place for me to do it. Um, And that was my only idea that the 30th was coming. I did not know what I would write every single day that I wrote. I did not know what I was going to write. There was no plan for this book, no outline, nothing. It was a very strange book for me. And I have no idea what the fan community is going to think about it. And the two of you are only the fourth people to ever read the book. Wow. Bushman. Um, Lindsay Hallam, who interviewed me for the Red Room, and now you guys. So I just don't know. So I know I'm here to answer questions, but I have a question for you guys. As deep dive fans, what did you guys think of the book? 
I finished it yesterday, and like I I texted you, uh, Scott. I was just like, I don't really have words to kind of comprehend how I feel about this book. Like I I could just say generic things to you, but I was like, I felt like it was a journey. I went on a journey with you, and because I know you, your voice was in my head the whole time, and I felt like we were back when we first met, and you were debating with Bushman about during breakfast. And I felt like you were sitting across the table from me, just telling me your story. That's what I felt like for me. And I thought it was, it was very Scott. And I think that's why I liked it. You had your humor, you got personal with, with things. You, you really put your, your heart on your sleeve with this one, I thought. And I mean, I, I, I don't have words other than to say, I really, really loved it and i think the community will find something new from this book there's a lot of new interesting things that i never heard before and um i i think it's just a fantastic book thank you so much yeah i agree 100 percent with everything you're saying brian and as a longtime fan of twin peaks back from when it was you know originally aired seeing the movie when it was in theaters uh, I was so happy that I feel like you touched on everything that I would be interested in, everything I would want to read about, or I would want to make sure would be in a, a Fire Welcome Me book you touched on. I mean, you didn't have to spend, you know, pages and pages, but you would spend, you know, the chapter on the scripts, which like, yeah, I want to know, go behind the scenes of that. And you, you touch on, you get these interviews and ask these questions that I want to know about, you know, so you, you touched on a lot of things. You truly are a fan and I can see that in your writing, but you also, you know, have the experience and knowledge that the things that you need to share with people to get them to understand what the making of this film was all about. So I was going to ask you about this, like, but you kind of answered a bit. Like, I was going to say, how do these chapters come about? Because you have chapters that feel like almost like an oral history was something I think Brian and I were trying to do and Brad Dukes did. And then you have another chapter that digs into these scripts and then you have interviews and then you share a lot of your own experience. And it does. I mean, you said you didn't know where it was going, but it felt like it was building onto something and you really got there to the end and you had the cherry on the top at the end there. And I really think you did a, a, an incredible job with this book. And I I really, I think I've got almost every one of your books. Like I, I joke with you that I should be like a, I should have like a, a book club every time Scott Ryan comes out with a book, <laughs> I have to make sure I have it. Cause I have your book on writing and stuff or publishing and stuff like that. And that's not a Twin Peaks book or your Moonlighting book, or there's so many books that I've gotten, but this to me is my favorite of your books that you've written. Oh, and maybe I, I'm biased of course, because it's Twin Peaks, but it's a, it's a great book. I'm really impressed with it. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, in some ways, I feel like this is the first book I've written, even though by the numbers, it's my eighth book, which is ridiculous. Um, mm. But it's because there are interviews, of course, because I knew people were going to want that. But that is not the focus of this book, where my other books, I've really tried to let the other people step up and tell the story of Moonlighting or Letterman or 30 something or whatever mm -hmm. we're working on. I always am going to interject because Lord knows I have opinions. Mm -hmm. But in this book, I really share things. And if I wrote any of these chapters on a different day, I don't know if I would have again, if I would have gotten there, like the story of being in the UCD shop. You know, like, should that story make the book? I don't know. I don't know that it should be in the book. But I think what I wanted to show people 
is how much Twin Peaks has infected my life. It goes everywhere with me. And even down to, um, I forget what he was now, but the insurance person that comes to my house. And then I learn that his aunt is in the movie or something. And like everywhere I go, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were like, okay, let's put it in. Let's check out where his house is, what the person's (laughs) house is. Um, and then you you what find out world. you find out that that scene with with Bobby and uh, Laura was not filmed in a basement but a garage. Scott, there's so many nuggets that you have throughout this this book where he's like, oh, I I've known about Twin Peaks and Fire Rock Me for 30 years, but I didn't know about that. And like that that to me always excites me when there's something new that I hadn't known about. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like there is things like that, like that, the fact that that's a garage. Now, on one hand, you could say, like, who cares if that's mm-hmm. a garage? But if you're a lifelong Twin Peaks fan and you learn something that you didn't know, it's yeah. exciting. And um, I do feel like there is a lot in this book that has never been told before. And that excites me. But then there's also a lot of Pierce Scott nonsense as well i love the scott nonsense i do too um i think it i think it's also like it doesn't you're giving when you read a twin peaks book or anything about theories or whatever you get bogged down with these theories but you you have some stuff but you have your sense of humor that kind of lightens the mood and it feels a little bit more fun like you're on a fun journey with you discovering all this stuff so your personality comes through. Right. Well, and I don't know how to write any other way. I mean, that's yeah. the problem. Like, I don't know how to bottle this nutbag that I am as a human being. <laughs> I don't know how, especially if you're talking about Twin Peaks, like you're getting right in to the very thing that created my personality anyway. Very true. Your Laura disappeared. Now, when I saw this title like months ago, when you announced that you told us and I saw the title, first thing I thought was, is Scott trying to trigger people by saying that? Like, I thought, not knowing what this book was going to be about, I thought this was going to be your theory about how Laura Palmer didn't really die. Remember, they changed the, the history oh, right. was changed. So I'm thinking, is Scott trying to poke people with this title? Like that's what my initial reaction was. But then I read that first chapter and I thought it was so clever how <laughs> you 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 are talking about on a personal level level your Laura Palmer, not ours. Um right. and I and then I think it goes total full circle for that last chapter with Cheryl Lee, uh, with that wonderful interview. So your your journey goes full circle from looking at this person, this character, but now you're kind of friends with the actor, the person. And it's right. like, it's like, wow, how far you have come in such a short, short period. And people, you know, uh, uh, regular listeners of Twin Peaks Unwrapped, we had you on all the time. And it was always this joke about, you know, interviewing her <laughs> and getting to meet her and Mrs. Mr. Lee there. And, you know, like, it's crazy in some worlds how far we've come and how far you've come, Scott, to, to be that, like, wanting to meet her, to now having met, met her and being able to have regular conversations with her and be able to interview her. And I think that that's so, that's something special. And that's not something 
most of us can do. Most of us have podcasts or written books. We can't just get her on the uh, on the phone and interview. So I think that makes this book extra special too to get to hear from her. Well, and I I love that you're getting that title. Um, it is sort of interesting because. Of course, it's kind of self-centered. You're exactly right. I'm not talking about your lore. I'm talking about mine. Yeah. And and what, what happened to me in that theater on that August day when I'm sitting there months away from, from earning a college degree that I don't want, you know, I don't, I am, I'm at the lowest point in my entire life when I walk into that theater and watch Firewalk with me. I mean, I'm just not where I want to be. And there's no, and, and I'm sitting there thinking there's no path for me in this world. And now I do know Cheryl Lee. Now I will never say that we're friends because, you know, that's for her to say, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's in charge of that relationship, but she knows who I am. Like I worked to take me from the person that sat in that theater and thought there's no hope for me I got nothing ahead of me to being this person that that can be in the room with Cheryl Lee and how that has changed for me and that Laura and it it was a nerve-wracking thing to do because this is a tribute to the 30th anniversary so Mm. of course I am you know, I'm trying to stay out of the book, but I keep coming back in is the way that I feel that it happens. But then there, it's also spread out through the book. So if you're like, you're listening to this and you don't know who the hell I am and you're like, I don't give a rat's ass what happened to this dude in 1992. It's okay because you got Greg Feinberg, you got Ron Garcia, who's going to blow your mind. You got Mary Sweeney and you got Cheryl Lee. So you can mm. ignore my nonsense. And, and you would be just fine. But I think you're a true fan. And I think that I think that it's a good balance. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not all yeah. you. It, it really is going into the history and getting having getting to speak to all these different people and, and hear how the making of this film was and stuff. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful balance. Yeah. And Scott, did you happen to have any ti- other titles for this book or do you know that's what I'm going to name this book? It was 100 percent. Always firewalk with me. Your Laura disappeared. I can tell you when I came up with it and I did not put this in the book because I have a I have rules for myself. As Frank Sinatra says in One for the Road, you got to be true to your code. And I don't talk about the moments I get to have with the actors from the show. I'm very respectful of their time. And, you know, I find it to be a privilege to run the Blue Rose and get to do these interviews. I don't take it for granted. Uh, To be more crass, I'm not a star fucker in Mm -hmm. any way. Like, to me, it's about the pursuit of art. That being said, I was lucky enough to be out to dinner with Ray Wise and Cheryl Lee one time. And it was not a Twin Peaks event. You know, we're just Mm. friends going out for dinner, which is ridiculous. But that is what happened. And during that dinner, I was watching Cheryl and Ray and we're talking and we're talking about our children and art. And we're not talking about Twin Peaks. You never bring up Twin Peaks in those situations. And I don't want to anyway. But I sat across and I'm like, that's that's Laura Palmer and, Mm. and Leland Palmer. 
Yeah. And I'm having dinner with them. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized my Laura has disappeared. Mm. You know, Laura Palmer, who was this thing to me, this beacon, this, this vessel of despair and how you can have, you cannot be who you are, but you can still work through it. I mean, so much, I, I, as I say, I've never been sexually abused and I don't bond with Laura over that. I mean, so many people do, and I understand why, of course. I mean, that's so much of Laura's mm. story, but that's not my story. To me, the way she presents herself to the town of Twin Peaks and it's not really who she is and what she's going through. That's what I relate to mm. so much more. But I realized like I couldn't see anyone but Cheryl Lee. You know, like my, yeah. that, that figure, this person that I had to meet, that I had to talk to, that I had to have a part of my life had disappeared. And that is when the, this is just, it's the title of the book. Yeah, it, I love it. Mm. And, and I, she I, had I, to be the last chapter, you know, the yes. whole the idea of the book is you're rolling and you're learning about me and where I'm carrying this person. And then like, I want you as a reader to not think, well, fuck that guy. He gets to know Cheryl Lee. No, go out and meet your Cheryl Lee or yeah. whatever it is, you know, plant the yard you want to plant or, you know, build the house you want to build or whatever it is your dream is. Um, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Because nobody was more farther away than me from the end goal. Because we're on this topic. And I, I one of the questions I had was near the end of the book, you do talk, you get personal with, with us, with the audience. And I, were, was that something you plan on doing? Because throughout the book, because you speak of that, um, I thought you were planting the seed a little bit because there was one line that stood out to me and it didn't click until I read that chapter before the Sherry Lee interview, when you, you talk about your personal life, um, there was a, a line and I'm going to misquote it, Scott. So please help me. I can't, <laughs> That's I, couldn't, okay. I couldn't find it this morning. I'm like, I know it's there. Um, it was something about like taking the same, uh, two people taking the same journey, same road, but it's going to be a different journey for each person or something like, of that nature. And then you said, I, that line, that sentence can run through my head all day you ended it something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that stood out. I was like, that was a weird thing to say. But then at the end, you talk about your journey and how you could have just been that corporate slave, but then you right. were just like, I'm done. And I, I, and meeting Catherine Coulson was kind of like the beginning, was your beginning point to where you are now almost. In, you know, I, I feel like this was the first time I've talked about it before, but this was the first time I really get to lay it out and explain it because I don't take what I get to do for granted. And, you know, I just submitted like issue 16 of the blue rose to the printer yesterday. And, you know, it's great. We're getting subscriptions in and I don't take that for granted. Like I could, None of this could have happened. There could be no Blue Rose. Mm -hmm. There would be no Laura's Ghost and all of the Twin Peaks Unwrapped book and all these things that I got to do because I was just raised to not be that way. You know, I just came from a very conservative, not art friendly area. 
And I tried to hide it for as long as I could, but there was something about meeting Catherine and her being just so kind to me and then her dying. I mean, I met her and she's dead in six weeks. And I just sat there in that cubicle and I thought, I'm going to die, like not today, but I'm going to die. I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but all three of us, someday we'll all be dead. No! no yeah. <laughs> and I mean, of course, I knew that before Catherine Colston died. I mean, yeah. duh. Yeah. But you just realize you got this path and sometimes you just get pushed on it. Your life just gets pushed in this way. And I was like, I can't, I don't care if I fail or I succeed, it doesn't matter. I have to try. And all of that came from Twin Peaks. And that's a lot to put on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty amazing. I think it's an amazing story, Scott. But I was, yeah, I was wondering, like, were you purposely sprinkling that in, in the book? Or was it just one of those weird? Um, yeah, I mean, to some degree, I mean, yeah. I guess what happened was, I, you know, you asked me if I had planned to be so open and honest. Um, I was thinking about it because let's also say even our discussion we're having here. I mean, 100 percent honest. I hate this. I hate what we're talking about. I, know. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to be this person. I wish I we were talking about my jokes about uh, the nudity at the roadhouse. I got a question for all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but on the flip side, I thought, look, I can't talk about why Firewalk With Me matters, why I watched it every year during that time period where I was creating no art. I watched it on my birthday every year. Firewalk With Me is not the movie you should be watching on your birthday. That's a weird, <laughs> that's a red flag, right? To anybody like, if that guy watches Firewalk With Me on his birthday, should we stay away from him? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not right. <laughs> Um, but I knew that I had to sort of come out with it. Like, it was like, you know what? I know I'm not alone in this. And otherwise I'm just a nut that's chasing Cheryl Lee her whole life. Yeah. And that also is crazy as well. So I went out to Twin Peaks during COVID and because, you know, life was horrible. As we all remember, my wife and I said, screw it. We're staying at the Salish. We're getting massages. Aww. We're eating dinner. I mean, I don't know how much that we weekend cost. I do know I wrote it off. Uh, <laughs> but that's when I wrote that chapter. I yeah. just said to my wife, look, I'm going to go out on the balcony and I got to work. And I went out and the Douglas furs are there and I can mm. hear the sound. And I thought, and I just puked that chapter. And now of course I refined it when we got home and over time and David Bushman helped edit it. And he actually forced me to go a little deeper. And that's what's in there. Cause I was afraid I kept touching and coming back and touching and coming back. And he said, you know, you got, you, you got to go farther. Yeah. And so I wanted to do it, but I was scared to do it. And also, I hate that it's out there. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, that you did it. I think I, it helps yeah. all of us. I mean, there's plenty of people. I mean, I think we all look at, at Twin Peaks and Fire Walk Me differently. And we talk about, you know, a lot of people who've been sexually abused and stuff like that, how much that means to them that 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 it's out there, that this this happens to many different people. But I also, I think, yeah, a lot of this can touch us in other ways to say that, you know, we're hurting inside in our own ways. 
and to know that there's art out there that expresses that and that in some ways I like what I love is that our community is so good to each other in some ways I always feel like that's the big hug that's the big way of us all coming together or whatever we're going through that we're all in this together and that we care about each other I don't know I, I see that in the book I see that in our community Um, I'd love to just touch on um, Greg Feinberg interview there. He's the producer of, of Firewalk With Me. What I loved was is that like I was always remember like thinking, how in the heck did Firewalk With Me come out basically a year after the show was canceled? I'm like, that is like the quickest turnaround I've ever seen for a film. And you get to touch on that with Greg and really he he seemed to have all all the answers to that. You know, so the Greg interview is one of the weirdest things. I swear that's ever happened to me because he was not, and no offense to Greg, he wasn't on my list. I mean, I'm trying to get interviews with Chris Isaac, Moira Kelly, Kyle McLaughlin, I'm, you know, Angelo, I'm out there hustling. And one day I'm just sitting there and right to my side is my fire walk with me poster. And I was looking at all the names on the poster and I was like, interviewed him, interviewed him, interviewed him, you know, said no, said no. And then I see Greg Feinberg. And I'm like, why? I, why have I never tried? <laughs> you know, he's listed as the only producer on the film. That's yeah. it. And I thought, you guys never interviewed him, right? No. Nope. Yeah, no. I never heard anyone interview him. And I thought, who is this guy? Then that night, my wife and I are watching Deadwood, executive producer, Greg Feinberg. And wow. I'm like, it was the same day. I saw my, my poster. I saw him there. And I was like... I'm, I'm getting Greg Feinberg. Gentlemen, when two separate events occur simultaneously pertaining to the same object of inquiry, we must always pay strict attention. Yes. And then thank the Lord I did. And I'm not, we're not going to talk about it because these yep. cheap bastards got to buy the book. But <laughs> you are about to hear a story that has never been told before. And it's insane. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I'm, all I want to say is you didn't make reference to this, but I'm going to bring it up now. When you read that chapter, in my opinion, he pulls a Dale Cooper because Dale Cooper wakes up at two in the morning and it's like, I know who killed Laura Palmer. This guy wakes up at two in the morning. He goes, I know what we're going to do. And yeah. I'm like, oh, holy crap. He is Dale Cooper at two in the morning. Unlike Dale Cooper, he remembered what he dreamt. He didn't just forget. Where can people pick up this book? So you can go to bluerosemag.com. You can go to fayettevillemafiapress.com. And if you buy it from either place, I will sign the book. If you put in the notes who you want it to sign to, I will sign it to you. Because I'm always afraid if like to personalize it to the person who bought the book. Because I don't want to seem so sure that they are buying the book for mm. them to read. It could be someone else. So mm. unless someone says it, but you can go there. And it's coming out in May but it's at the printers. It's been at the printers since January. I freaking oh, wow. hate the world. So it's it's soon. I mean, it could be, I don't know when it's coming, but very soon. But really, you should, people should be pre-ordering because I mean, yeah, yeah, you I, mean, for, I think, Brian, from our own experience, you know, being self-published, being a self-publisher, you need all those sales that you can get. So it's so important that people pre-order the book. Don't wait and say, oh yeah, remind me in May, I'll get the book. You should be getting the book right now because it's going to help the person. It's going to show that, you know, that you're supporting the people that make this work. So I, go get it now. Don't wait till May. Well, even more than that, like, honestly, if you haven't pre-ordered the book, 
you might have missed out, to be honest with you, because I did do a print run of color books. And if you're listening to this and you have pre-ordered the book, which Ben and Ben and Brian have pre-ordered it a long time ago, um, you're getting a color book and you're fine. But honestly, I'm almost out and I'm going to Chicago in April, from April 7th to the 14th to host a David Lynch week-long film event. And I'm taking a limited number of color books if the printer makes it in time. I'm a nervous wreck, but they say they will. When those are gone, they're gone. There will never be color books. Now, there's going to be black and white books, and those will last forever. Price of those color books, when I get down to it, oh, you're, you're going to pay. Mm. So for all of you great people who are like, oh, I love the Blue Rose. I love Twin Peaks Unwrapped or Laura's Ghost. I want to continue supporting FMP. And you pre-ordered it. You only paid $22.99 for a color book that's going to be a collector's edition. I'm sure I'm going to be selling those books for $50 to $70 when we get down to the last time. They're expensive to do in color, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not cheap. Oh, yeah. You can look at Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book there to do in color, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's way too expensive to, to do this in color. <laughs> yeah, and the only reason I did it this book in color is because I personally wanted a color book. <laughs> there you go. And so we rolled, I I felt like with the Chicago thing, I could move a thousand copies. So I did it, but I can't do it again. And honestly, I wouldn't be able to do it now because paper has gone up so much and all these sort of things have happened in the last couple months Mm -hmm. that printing is really hard. Like, um, so if you already pre-ordered it, you're good. You don't have to worry about it. You're getting a color, but I can't really say how many more I have. So it never says that it's going to be in color on the website because you're, you know, it's not a guarantee, but up to now it has been. So that's why you should pre-order because sometimes I give little treats away. Like with Laura's ghost, if you pre-ordered, you got it signed by Cheryl Lee for free. I do notice that you're not in an orange jumpsuit, so you were never. You don't have to um, serve any time for the things you did that you published in this book, which is good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We will see, though, right? We will see. The yeah, we'll see. I am. I I don't know what the statute of limitations are, but yeah. I have committed crimes because of Twin Peaks in my life. I was shocked. And you shared it. You put it down on paper. You. <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't um, you? But yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You know what though? When you like you were talking about, you worked at a record uh, uh, video store, right. and uh, I worked at KB Toys. Um, I never stole anything, but when something cool would come in, I'd put it in the back, and my whole paycheck would be blown because I would right. be putting this stuff I wanted in the back where really I was supposed to be putting out on the floor. So I hear you. It's hard when you're a fan of something, especially Firewalk with me. It sounded like you didn't really get much of you got like what what, you said, like four copies, three copies, maybe to be rented, not even for sale. Well, that's because back then you couldn't buy. And that is another thing about this book is that I try to set things in the time to make you remember Mm. that you couldn't own Twin Peaks back then. You didn't have those things. Yeah. So what we're talking about is, yes, I stole. I think they went out of business, so I'm fine. They're yeah, long yeah. gone. But I stole the VHS <laughs> Firewalk with me the day it was released. <laughs> I, mean, 
I mean, I was, I wanted a copy that had never gone out. I made sure I worked that day. When the videos came in, I hid it to the side. I had my friend come in to pretend to rent it. I just, I didn't even rent him. Like I could have at least charged him the rental. We just faked the whole thing out the door. He went with it. I'd stolen a box, put it in my car, along with a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I was a little thief. You have a chapter on the, on, on talking about the two of the scripts, like the first draft and then another a version of that. Going through that, was there anything new that you learned in looking at these <sighs> scripts? A ton of things. <laughs> I mean, I learned that you're a maniac because I pictured you with a wall filled with things. Because I'm like, how did you? I reading keep it, track of it all. Yeah, reading it, my brain started bending a little bit because I'm like. But in script one, but script two and that. And I, I think this chapter alone is the price for admission for someone that was like, should I buy this book? This chapter, you don't have to sit there and read script one and script two yourself. <laughs> you do that work for us. And I thank you because I've only read script two. And I think what you did is a, a fantastic job, but my head exploded. I'm like, I just pictured you in a room filled with things, like just paper everywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the hardest thing I've ever written in my life. And the Philip Jeffries section of that took me six months. And I'm a quick writer. I mean, I'm not a John Thorne here who, you know, really <laughs> takes time to do stuff. I mean, John really thinks things out and he's that kind. I'm I'm more of a spastic writer. I write, you know, I'm thinking, I'm writing, a, my fingers can't go as fast as my head is going. But this, I had a card table, so it wasn't up on a wall. And I had it all out, man. And I had multiple computer screens because I would check the film and try to compare up and then check the missing pieces. And I had to keep going back to it. And this was a chapter that I have to thank Mary Hutter, who's a super fan and Brad Payne, who's a super fan uh, because they don't have Twin Peaks podcasts or Twin Peaks blogs because I needed someone to read this book that also would not then say, hoo, 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 I'm writing this and you know I'm yeah, spoiling yeah. this. So I sent it to them at different times to just say, look, you guys are smart Twin Peaks people. Can you follow what I'm saying? And Mary read it first. And then when I revised it on Mary and gave it to Brad. And so that helped because that it's so complex. But I, I mean, I uncovered a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great chapter. And, and, and the, the first draft is not something that is easily available. Like, you, I don't think you can find that on the web no. very easily. I mean, no, the second draft is, is more available. So I think for you to have access to that and be able to share that is, is so, you know, Brian's right. It's like the price of admission. I mean, that alone makes this book so valuable. Yeah. Well, and that, that was an early chapter. Think, I'm so thankful I started that chapter second. That was what I did second. The first thing I did is the ridiculousness about the subtitles. That was the first chapter I read. The script thing, I remember I started in January, a whole year ago. And I remember I was still going back to it and rereading and, and also finding where I wasn't exactly correct because there was no way I could make a mistake. I had to keep checking when I said script one, did I mean it? Was it Chet Desmond or was it Agent yeah. Cooper? Yeah. All those things. And I was still working on it well into May. 
and and going through and i kept going back to that because you couldn't do it that often i i mean my brain would explode it i mean you a lot of great information in that don't want to spoil it for anybody just buy the book for this chapter alone because it's I think it's great uh, time capsule because maybe a lot of people can't get their hands on either of those scripts. Um, yeah, it was it was, that chapter is the chapter that I worried about the most. I forget where it ended up, if it's chapter five or not. I think I had it earlier in the book. And then I realized, like, if you weren't a diehard and you were reading this book and you came to that chapter, you would throw this book in the trash can. You know what I mean? Because so, it's definitely a deep dive. And I almost put a thing on top that said, you can skip this chapter and go on if if you're not, you know, if you haven't seen Firewalk with me a bunch of times, just skip this chapter. But I also did try to make it funny. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of jokes in that chapter because I wanted to make people laugh. And that also might have the UCD story too. Yes. So there is some personal stuff. It, in it there. starts off with that. It starts off with yeah. that. Um, I, I think do you're wanna... meeting, meeting Chris Isaac as well as in that chapter, I believe. But that's oh, before, right. yeah. And I want to talk about Chris Isaac because I was so sad. You did not get the interview with him, but I want to ask you, do you think he was blowing smoke up your ass? I mean, when he said, do, do you think his people just never gave him the the email did you you said you emailed him like five times or are you oh like it that? was more than five was yeah more i mean five? i'm sure i emailed them 10 times um they and and i actually did tell them look i'm putting this in my book so when chris nice. finds out that you blocked me understand this is going in my book you have one more chance to give me an interview with chris and that's that's the only second time they responded to me the first time they just said we'll kick it upstairs yeah and let yeah. you know and which killed me because i'm like wait a minute i met chris isaac yeah chris isaac said to me his exact words blue rose that's my line you started a magazine based on my line and he looked to his guy and he said i want to i want to i want to be in this so who are you kicking it upstairs to god yeah yeah because chris isaac just said yes so i told them in the final email you're going to be the one because i'm putting this in the book yeah and they said how much time do we have and i said you know you got a month but it could be longer i just want the interview and they never responded again they i mean and yeah I don't think he was playing with me because I know okay. when they're playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny seeing that photo. I, I want to ask you, did you ever watch the Chris Isaac show on Showtime? I never did. And you can't find it, but no. I would love to see it. So I when I was when it came on, I think in the early 2000s, in, in like three seasons, it's very curb your enthusiasm. Right. Because he's playing a an absurd version of himself and um it's kind of funny and i remember seeing rerun somewhere and i liked it but uh yeah you can't find it anywhere and i wasn't sure if you right. actually watched it when i've it was never on. seen an episode but i would love to yeah i mean i looked to see if we were streaming when i saw that photo of him and you and i read that i was like the chris isaac show i would love to rewatch that and yeah i couldn't find it myself yeah. I do want to talk about chapter six, which is Let's Rock. Um, I think this is my personal favorite chapter. 
because it's oh, about the you. sound. It's about the music, the soundtrack. And you get a mention in that chapter. That's why. <laughs> and that always helps. That always Isn't helps. that interesting? His favorite <laughs> chapter just happens to be the chapter he's in. But it's also because I love the soundtrack so much. And I was listening to um, Twin Peaks uh, records as I was reading this book yesterday. And in the beginning of the chapter, I think you say something like, you should really put on the Firewalk right. with V soundtrack. And I did. I, I put it right on. Um, yeah, I hope people who read it do put the music on, especially in the music chapter, because I think because I'm trying to break it down and you have to be careful with copyright laws anyway, with like lyrics and things as far as how much you can print and, you know, all those things. So it's kind of hard to tell people where you are in the song. But I pick in that chapter, I pick, I don't know how many songs, I'm going to say six songs yeah. or so. And I break them down into how they play into the film and how Angelo just really wanted to show his work and, and how he really rose to the occasion in what I think is the hardest job for everyone. And that includes Cheryl Lee. And I know people might be like, what? But Cheryl Lee didn't have an expectation. We didn't know what she could do. Mm. But Angela really succeeded in Twin mm. Peaks. And then as Ben points out, in less than a year, he has to write a whole new score. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and Scott, you basically said too that like, you know, he could have... He could have just like, oh, I'm just going to reuse the stuff I had from the TV show. He could have just used that music. Instead, he's like, I'm going to just create all new music for this uh, soundtrack. I mean, it's, it is incredible that what he would, came up with. And it's so good. I remember being in the theater when it came out and hear, just hearing the opening music. It's like, holy crap, this is going to be a great film because it just the music brings you in. It's so good. Well, and like when you went in for that first showing that first day when it began, I thought it was going to start with falling. Right. And, and had it, I wouldn't have been disappointed. I wouldn't have sat there and go, he should have wrote a new song. Yeah. Like everybody would have been fine if it started with falling. But he not only does it not start with falling, it starts with his best composition of his entire life, in my opinion. I mm -hmm. think and I I. I don't just say that. I actually break it down and to show you what he did mm. to create this piece of music that I think is the best theme. Although David Bushman wanted me to take that out of the book because he said, how can you compare that to everything ever written? Because other other movies don't have a character that you already know when you're coming in. And I said, well, that's tough for other movies. I mean, <laughs> Wow. But it's your book, so you can say what you right. want. Right, so yeah. I didn't cut that, no. I also like the fact that at the end, it's something I didn't know about, um, you you give us like the Firewalk With Me score in order using uh -huh. a lot of sources. And I think that's kind of cool for people who would want to put that together in a playlist. And I have it in a playlist. I've had it in a playlist for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And so I've listened to it in order many times. Uh, so that was one of the easiest things I did for the book. I just went to my iTunes and I copied <laughs> it down because it's been in there ever since the um, archives came out. I, I don't remember what year that was, but a long time. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's so cool. So I know Ben gave me the archive. So I'm like, oh, this is something I can do now. Um, and you did talk about Blue Frank. And that's a conversation we had right. on the podcast years ago. Yeah. 
um, which was great because I had no idea there were two separate songs and you you blew my mind saying, <laughs> nope, song one's here. And then it goes into a different song at this point. And at that, I just thought there were one long song. One long well, song. and it's so interesting because had I never, you know, I forget Ben, um, he was getting Botox, so he couldn't. Yeah, that come. was it. Yeah, yes. Botox. Yes. Yeah, I, Botox. I, mean, I had some surgery, and I... <laughs> he was getting getting his eyes done. Yes, <laughs> and he couldn't. He couldn't show up, so I had to fill in. Yeah. Had I not done that, I wouldn't have even known to talk about. I don't think that would be in the book at all. And then I break it down even farther than we did to show you how Lynch is kind of letting you know and what it means and why those songs are different. Um, right. Right. So that's all thanks to Twin Peaks Unwrapped because I don't I wouldn't have known that other people didn't know that hadn't we been there. And then there were so many Twitter comments where all these people were like, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, and this can tie in. Um, we're going to jump into this, the uh, chapter about the Canada subtitle thing, because I think it's a good jumping <laughs> point. Things that people didn't know. And I was fascinated by that chapter about the subtitle thing now. I know we don't want to give a lot away. I think people should really read this chapter because it's really fascinating. But the one thing I want to ask you is, are you afraid? Because someone later on <laughs> does mention someone should not know about this. Are you afraid of now publishing this? And that person may be having a slim chance of reading it or finding out. Or you're okay with it. Oh, I'm okay with it. You're okay with it. I'm okay with it because it's the truth. It is. But... Why do you think, so what we're talking about is some subtitles on some prints did not exist for people overseas. Subtitles were never put in some of these, uh, right? Yeah. Some of these videos or DVDs were never put in some of them. And, like, yeah, now, and, did you two know that before you read this? No. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know it either. I had heard of people saying that they didn't know about Canada and stuff. I mean, I've that's been a common thing to me that I've heard of that. And I can see how you can make that that leap when you think that like, oh, I'm in a bar and I'm still in a bar. So I'm in the same bar. Right, <laughs> I, you know, I can kind of sort of get that, but I didn't know anything about subtitles. That, that, that was news to me. When I first watched Firewalk With Me, when they go to the second bar, I really thought it was a behind, I thought it was part of the roadhouse, but then you get that meet, you know, in Canada, a uh, subtitle. Um, but if that doesn't, if that did not exist, yeah, I could see this being the, uh, like, the behind the roadhouse, like, seedy area that nobody, that only a few people know about. Um, but, like, you make a good point in that chapter <laughs> about, like, if Laura, if these things had happened in your own town, you know Big Ed or someone's in there, and they're going to see it, <laughs> and they're going to say something. Small town. Yeah, it's a small town. I mean... But uh, why do these prints exist without subtitles? Blows my mind. Hey, blows my I mind. worked my ass off to get an answer. I emailed yeah. people in France. I went to CB2. I sent so many emails out. I tried to um, go through. Uh, it's funny. I'm not going to remember her last name and I'm going to get in big trouble. Lindsay Bowden, Edith which I said immediately. But I even went through her because she being in UK and booking the film and I was trying to get the distributor. I really wanted an answer for this. Yeah, you know, I talked yeah. to so many people um, and I mean, I did not come up with a satisfactory answer of why for like 
28 years or something crazy, maybe 22, all of Europe had no subtitles in this film. And that's so weird. Very weird. It's very weird. I mean, I could see someone watching it, right, and not seeing the subtitles and think this is just an artistic vision that maybe we shouldn't really hear what they're saying because the music is loud. I can I buy that because if you want but there's to- some things there's some dialogue that isn't even spoken at all in any language we don't understand right I know I, mean, I know one armed man and and the little man from another place that they don't yeah. really speak yeah like you kind of need those subtitles to understand what they're talking about yeah they're missing a part of the story <laughs> here um, right yeah that's crazy now it's weird when you say subtitles but then the Canada thing that's not a subtitle that's like a that's a title card telling you where you are it's amazing that that's gone too so it's like not even subtitles you know, someone it's, I think says it's just... welcome to Canada hmm? someone says welcome to Canada it's not yeah. a title card okay right. oh, here I, gotcha okay okay um, yeah. yeah, people were saying like how they thought that it was just a random di- piece of it's dialogue. It's like, I'm a, I'm a blank fart or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, well, I did actually love that when someone says, well, I thought welcome to Canada was like, I'm as blank as a fart. And because um, the, the reason that I love it, and here's why I spent all that time on this thing. Like there's a whole chapter on this ridiculous thing. But I actually, if I can be highfalutin, this would be my one highfalutin time. I actually think that that chapter, and that's how I, like I said, that's where I started the whole book because I thought this is so important because we live in a time where we can't see other people's point of view. I know, and I've known my whole life that that second room is in Canada and it's at a different bar, but there's a whole continent of people who didn't know that. And it's easy for me to look at them and go, well, they're stupid and I'm smart. Because I've always known that. But when you see other people's point of view, like when someone said, well, I ignored Welcome to Canada because of all the other stupid things they say. And you got to go with that's true. Are you sitting here trying to explain why? <laughs> why? Says the stupid things he says. There's a lot yeah. of nonsense in the movie. Yeah. And yeah. so you get to understand other people's point of view by that chapter. Um, and I think it matters. And on the flip side, I think my funniest jokes are in that chapter. Like I, <laughs> I, I think that chapter is hilarious. Yes. And I laugh quite a bit at that ridiculousness of that chapter. He also had a chapter with uh, Ron Garcia. He, you know, he's a cinematographer of the film. And what I love that you did, and I don't know why I never thought to do this, Scott. You, you got stills of the uh, shots of the film, and you shared that with Ron, so you could say, "Here, look at this," and like, tell me about this scene. Or I mean, like he he handles the lighting, and he handles like how the shot's gonna look. And for him to visually look at that, I'm sure that helps him process it and think about. 30 years ago, what was I thinking of doing in that? And I, I thought that was a great thing that you did. I agree. And I was so excited that he was open to doing it that way. When I first contacted him, he said, look, I'm getting up there in age. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do here. I may not remember mm-hmm. anything. And I said, don't worry about it. We're just going to have a discussion. And that's when I thought, I wonder if it would help if I showed him pictures. Yeah. And so I captured my favorite shots of the film. And I might have talked to him for five hours 
I bet oh you we talked for we talked in two sessions and I bet you it was five hours that's and so there's good. more there's stuff that's not in the book it'll come out someday in the blue rose because we had a whole thing about the pilot that I couldn't put in the book there was no he was there nice that's on good. the first day of filming the red room of the pilot the european ending wow and he told me about that whole day and i got all that someday that'll show up awesome. somewhere but nice. it wasn't i wasn't going to put that in the firewalk yeah. because it just doesn't yeah. fall i just him talking about the david bowie stuff the set he built that was never used all that stuff and yeah. you're like that exists there was more <laughs> like oh my god um, I mean, it sounds like they were going to do a whole lot more with Bob, uh, the one arm, um, the little man from another place with yeah. uh, with Jeffries. I'm like, oh, my God. And yeah, it's just a fascinating story. I don't want to ruin it. But yeah, this, this is another great chapter that like if you're a diehard, you'll learn a lot of new stuff from this chapter. Definitely. And he really did know a lot. And he's also a great guy. A really, really great guy. And, you know, sometimes when I do these interviews, like sometimes you bond with them and that's great and you have different things. But every once in a while, you almost feel like you're cashing uh, casino chips. And I think I got to cash in his chips. I don't think he understands. He doesn't know in his real life how much we all love him. And how much he did. And I think this interview helped because he said to me many times, well, isn't this boring? No one wants this. And I said, you don't understand. <laughs> They're not going to want yeah. what I said. <laughs> we want this. <laughs> they are going to love what you are telling. Like he's telling yeah. this David Bowie stuff yeah. that, yeah. you know, is blowing your brains. And he's like, is this boring? Is And you're like, <laughs> he's like are you um, kidding? Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. So I think it helped him because he even told me, that's why we had another one because he read the interview and he was like, nah, I just don't think it was good and we should do it. And then he's just like telling me more stuff and it's all mixed into one, like it's yeah. one thing, but it, that actually was two sessions. Mm. And then he said like, oh, I gave it to my my wife to read it because I just wasn't sure should this be in and all this stuff. And I was like, no, buddy, like this is going to be huge. Yeah. And people are going to be so grateful for this information. Like, no, we do care. Wealth so of knowledge. Just, so cool. It was very cool. There's a chapter on the missing pieces. And I love that we get kind of into the history and you yeah. forget how much, how long we waited for those deleted scenes. And it's right, you spell it out. They weren't missing pieces to us. They were the deleted scenes that we waited so long for. Right. And, I don't know it's 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 cool that you you, you got that chapter it was it was really cool to just go back into that and and see and I was wondering like is there more pieces is there is there more stuff out there that we didn't get <laughs> um well that was the last chapter I wrote so I was really holding that chapter for Chris Isaac I mean mm. I was really hoping I had a Chris Isaac interview because again he said yes so I thought we had him and then Angelo also had said yes and I thought I had him but it didn't work out mm -hmm. so I kind of needed one more thing and I remember I tweeted out 
And I just said, should the missing pieces be part of my Firewalk With Me book? Because in reality, it's not the 30th anniversary of the missing pieces. So I thought, does this even have anything mm. to do with it? But overwhelmingly, Twitter said, yes, the missing pieces should be in the book. Yes. So that was the last thing I wrote. I, w- I was actually going to skip the missing pieces, but I'm oh glad I did. Gosh. I can't imagine. Uh, I kind of link the missing pieces as an extension of, I mean, it's like, it still fits, somehow it fits in. I mean, I appreciate it as it being its own entity, but it still to me feels like just an extended part of the main film and stuff. So I kind of think, yeah, I can't imagine Firewalk without me without the missing pieces. Yeah, I don't know. And I'd like to thank Doug Pa because he really did a good job. I reached out to him and he gave me some great stuff for it. He he had a major part in getting the missing pieces to exist. Mm. And so he really walks us through. And then, you know, it was crazy. I wanted to interview um, the guy, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but it's in the book, that um, was the executive producer of that. And so I got his contact thing and through uh, Doug Pa, he was very nice to hook us up. And the guy has an NDA. He, he's no longer at CBS, but part of his leaving CBS is he's never allowed to talk about what he did wow. with the missing pieces. So don't bother trying to book oh him gosh. on your show. Wow. And I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. I mean, all due respect to everyone listening, and I'm including myself, no one gives a shit about the missing pieces. Like, why should a corporation care mm-hmm. that you talk about all oh, the missing pieces? It's it's top secret. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, you know, a thousand people care. Let's yeah. get it on. What if we didn't have what Ron Garcia said on paper? Like, mm-hmm. let's get this stuff down and capture history. And so he, can, he can't talk. So that's why we don't have him. He has an NDA. And that's wow. just stupid. That is stupid. Undeleted scenes. That's weird. I could see yeah. something like being in the movie you want to keep secret, but something that doesn't really. Well, he's, he's not. I mean, I should be more clear. He's not allowed to talk about his work at CBS at, at all. all. Wow. I mean, yeah. he's just not allowed because wow. he doesn't work there anymore. And he, you know, because he also was in charge of all of the Star Trek uh, behind the scenes and DVD mm. stuff and all that stuff. So I'm sure they that's what they really care about. It just covers the missing yeah. pieces. But I'm also like, I mean, who cares? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you brought this up in the in the book, but there would have been theories out there that that Lynch was actually working on maybe a trilogy or multiple Twin Peaks uh, movies. And the reason the missing pieces weren't were, were in there was because he was saving it for the next movie and stuff like that. Did you did you come across anything no. about that? I mean, it's I mean, not true. I mean, if anything, your interviews prove that it's not true. So there maybe there's no reason to bring up that theory because it seems clearly that Lynch had a plan for this movie and he wanted all of it. Yeah, I, I no one ever said that to me, including Bob Angles, who I didn't do a new interview with him for this book, but I had interviewed him for the Blue Rose. And part of that interview is in the book. But um, no one's ever told me that that was the case. Yeah, I'm sure it was just the fans wondering why, why yeah. it was so much of it cut out. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that interview with uh, Mary Sweeney about the whole process was very fascinating as well. Like her, that was her first big gig, going from assistant editor to the main editor, which of is a film. Of a, yeah, that's kind of scary. Um, yeah, it, 
It's funny. Um, re, I'm fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff, just like Ben, because our yeah. backgrounds are in editing and TV and whatnot. And when I got into editing, it was tape to tape. Now this was yes. a film to film. Assemble edits. Assemble edits. And it scared the hell out of me because if you made one mistake, you had to start over again. Also, there's a good chance you might mess up your own footage. Um, right. Now it's all digital. It's all easy. But when she's talking about film editing, like I, my anxiety went up and I'm like, my God, that's that's real talent to you got to cut that film. You have to make sure it's correct. And that's her first big editing job. Well, and what I thought was really fascinating is how she goes into the very job and the industry at how the amount of years it takes before you get the ability to touch mm, film yeah. with your hands, obviously not really with your hands, but actually make a real cut. You know, she said just to cut one thing to another thing, it takes forever to get the ability to do that. And she kind of lucked into it. Mm by just coming up through Twin Peaks and her getting to cut episode 14 with David and he liked it. And so it kind of makes sense. If you have the person that edited episode 14, mm. you would want them to yeah. edit Firewalk with me. I mean, yeah. it's, it's sort of all made sense. Her path. I had never heard that before. That was news to me. Um, not that she had, I mean, you can tell she edited it from the credits, but I'm just saying, you know, that that experience that she had with working on that episode and how well it worked with David. I don't remember what she says, but I do know that I got emotional in my interview with her. I think it's it's about her being pregnant during that time. She really does share like a, per, you know, part of her life. And it really moved me at the way she balanced love and motherhood also while editing this incredible movie and like mm. i really liked her i've never heard from her since nor nor did she approve her quotes like i sent it off i've never heard from her again so i don't know that i impressed her but i got the interview so i guess who cares but it, it was really uh, a great interview I mean, like I said before, I was so glad of the questions that you asked uh, the people that you interviewed. And one of the questions I've always wanted to know was like, how did I mean, how did the angel get angels get into the movie? Because they're not in either one of these scripts. And, you know, there was that Ohio uh, event of Firewalk with me with Ray Wise and Cheryl Lee. And there was time to, to ask questions and there was time to go up to uh, Cheryl and ask her. And I always wanted to say to her, you know, it's like, I feel like, I don't know why I'm, I'm crazy. I always thought she was the reason the angels were brought into this. I know it just seems weird, but I always thought like some reason she was like, David, this is too heavy. You know, can you add angels? I don't know. I love that you asked that question. I, and I think you asked maybe a few times in the book and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I just want to say that, that, that I think some of these, you, you asked the right questions. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, it is interesting and it does become a through line through the book. I feel like the angel, because again, it comes up in this, the, it, there is no angels in the scripts. The, the mm -hmm. word is never in the script to get that information, you know, and then it goes all the way to Cheryl Lee and she, answers um as in a Cheryl Lee way that's for sure she's <laughs> she's well trained 
I commend you that you had the guts though, because I didn't have the guts at that event to say it as the audience. I didn't have enough guts to go up to her and ask her, but I'm so glad that at least you asked these things. And I know I had to ask some hard questions of Mary Sweeney and yeah. Cheryl Lee. You know, sometimes I, I'm mad at myself that I didn't maybe push Cheryl a little bit harder because she she won't always share. You get so close. She gets so mm. close. But, you know, and but then also I think, my God, this she gave so much to her art already. Does she really have to give more? Does she mm. really have to relive <laughs> this? You know, you do get that this movie weighs on her even all these yeah. years later. And how could it not? Um, it's hard place to be because they're giving you your time for nothing. And you want to be respectful, but you also want to know these things. <laughs> you right. want to know the answers. Yeah, I think she gave a good answer. I mean, people got to read it, but right. I, I think her answers were good. I think you're respectful of her. her yeah. you have, she has a boundary uh, and you know it. And I think you're very respectful of that boundary. So yeah. I love that you twisted, you know, Cheryl Lee is an acting coach. And I love that one point you said, okay, you know, as a coach, how do you, yeah. how do you, uh, you know, if, if somebody was going for this part of Laura Palmer, basically, how yeah. would you, how would you mentor this person? And I just that love good. that she responded that you answered it, but that was a great way kind of like to, you know, kind of take her out of it, but also all the experience right. she's had over 30 years. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, that was one that I ha did have written down because, you know, you, you try to think of how can you get them to talk. You know, my favorite Twin Peaks question I ever asked is not in this book. It's, it's in a Red Room podcast with Mark Frost. When I had interviewed Mark Frost, I had a great question for him. And that was, who is your favorite Beatle? And <laughs> the reason being is whatever your answer is, tells you so much about who you are as a person. And I mm -hmm. knew that if I asked Mark Frost, what's it like to work with David Lynch who gets all the credit and sure. people always forget about you and you did all this hard work, he's not gonna answer that question. You cannot mm -hmm. ask Mark Frost that question, but you can ask him, who's your favorite Beatle? And if you read his answer, I think he's answering that question. And so I do try to think about that stuff before I interview someone, you know, mm -hmm. how can I get them to answer the question they don't want to answer, but ask it in a way that, you know, I mean, I love interviewing people. That's what I love to do in life. I mean, yeah. that's, I, as I say, I can't change a tire. I can't help my wife hang a picture. I don't know <laughs> how to get on the roof and get the leaves out of the gutter, but I can interview someone. I mean, it's a useless talent, uh, but. I wouldn't but, say it's useless. I mean, <laughs> I know. Well, ask my wife, <laughs> it's useless. But you did a great <laughs> job with this book. I mean, I will. I'm going to ask the big. You ready for the big oh, question? This is the I'm big ready. one. Hold on okay. to your butts. Here we go. All right. Why shouldn't we buy a pool from Coffee Time, Time. in Sarasota, Florida? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the big one. I got to know. What? I know. <laughs> um, so there. That was a crazy us. line that's in the book. <laughs> and it will be in every book I ever publish. By the way. Is Every this a new book thing that you're doing? I don't yeah. remember reading this before. No, it's the first book. It will be in all of my books. It will end all of my books. 
Um, whether it becomes the end, I really want it to become the end of my podcast appearances, my personal appearances, my radio appearances, but we're still, we haven't totally gotten to the legal phase yet, but we hired coffee time in Sarasota, Florida to do a remodeling job at our house down here. And it has been a nightmare. And whether we're going to, I mean, I am not a litigious person. I actually don't even think there should be lawsuits. Bless anyone who has lawsuits. I just, I don't like this idea that you go to the doctor to save you and maybe he makes a mistake, but also it's his job and we all make mistakes, but these people have been horrible and they haven't completed the job and we hired them and I swear it was before COVID. Wow. And it's still not done and the pool drips and it drains all over and they did a horror. I mean, everything they did, they screwed up and I have never fought with them yet. They think mm. I'm a pushover. They don't know that's in my book because I kept <laughs> thinking like, why are they messing with a writer? Why are they fooling around with someone who has a podcast and, you know, goes out on thing? It's a dumb decision to mess with somebody like me who I keep things forever you know hey have you did you go to the American Twin Peaks Fest this year oh no you didn't you know why it doesn't exist anymore but I would say don't mess with me that's just a it's just a thing so um yeah that's why they are horrible they have no customer service and no follow-through and the guy who runs it is a horrible, horrible human being who was mean to me and my wife and attempted murder against us even. How about that? Oh my God. I could go on forever. Attempted Heck murder. Look at you started, Brian. Look at you started. I wanted to know. I, I derailed the whole podcast. Attempted murder. Are we going to say a Netflix documentary about this? Oh, maybe. I mean, again, I don't know if we'll end the lawsuit. Uh, we're still playing a little game with them, which is a fun for me. Cause like I got nothing to do. I mean, I I'll I'll I, I take uh, vendettas. They're serious to me. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's great. Yeah, um, that that is the hard hitting question I was yeah. waiting for the end to ask. Um, you know, Scott, this is going to come out in May, mm-hmm. and what's exciting is. I, you know, we should all, everybody should get this and be ready for the actual 30th anniversary of a firewalk with me that comes out. I mean, is, is going to be August. And I mean, that, I think I, that I feel like that everybody would want that to celebrate and to, uh, you know, if they're going to have rewatches of firewalk with me, that they can have that book bes- beside them and, and, and read the interviews and just relive the experience of a uh, firewalk with me. Yeah. And, you know, I was very close to pulling off uh, an event and I'm still kind of working on it. But with COVID, things are so tricky. Um, But you can go to Chicago, the Music Box Theater, April 7th through the 14th. They're showing every Lynch film and like everything that Lynch has done like ever is going to show. It's really cool. And what I'm most excited about is they're showing industrial symphony in 35 millimeter. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I really can't wait to see that. I don't even know how they'd get that. I feel like that's not something that you got it from Lynch. Wow. 
it's directly from Lynch is what they told me. Cause that's what I was like, like, how do you get that? And they were like, they got it directly from Lynch. They're showing boxing Helena in 35 millimeter, which nice. I mean, that's incredible that that's also a special print. Um, and I get to go out there and do the Q and A. So I'm interviewing Dwayne Dunham and Charlotte Stewart. So that'll be fun. And I'll be there to sell your book. I'm going to bring, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring one of every book and people can just pay us and we'll get their address. so They don't have to take it and worry about it. We'll ship it when I get back to Florida. So with free shipping, I'm not going to charge any shipping in America. So it's just like that way I didn't have to bring all that stuff, but we'll have the Twin Peaks Unwrap book and Laura's Ghost. And then I will have Firewalk with Me books there. Nice. Awesome. What what is the date on that? What is that? April 7th through the 14th in Chicago. Uh, You you do need to show proof of vaccination to enter. And that's good because please don't kill me. So um, (laughs) are you going to be there the whole week then? You're going to be there? Yeah, I'll be there for every showing. Yep. I'll be out there selling your guy's book. So what I'm doing. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. Thank you. (laughs) To try to make you guys some money. Oh, man. Um, and then the Blue Rose issue 16, we're back. We took a year off. We are back. Um, costs are up 30%. I just turned it in, which I, if you pre-ordered on the first day or early on, you paid a little less than people now because I was like, what? Uh, paper is yeah. crazy right now. Uh, There's a lot of trouble in the world, but we are going forth. Um, Issue 16 is about the fifth anniversary of the return. And me and John Thorne wrote our first article together. We co-authored. Your first article he has written, you've done done 15 issues and you've never wrote wrote an article together. We never have. We had this idea and it was really funny because we have completely different styles. And but we think you know, the same. We both obviously think about Twin Peaks a lot. So it was really fun to write with John. It was, it was a very fun experience. I hope we get to do it again. And then issue 17 is going to be all about Lost Highway. Nice. And I had to get a few copies of that because, you know, that's my favorite film. So, (laughs) well, I'm getting some really good interviews for that. So um, I've done one, so I can announce that. And that was Natasha Gregson who um, played Sheila and she was a great interview, very sweet. And so, um, but I've got some really cool yeses, but I never talk about it until they're recorded. So we'll we'll hold off on that because they could always get canceled, but that should be a really cool issue. That's coming out this fall. So go to Blue Rose Mag. Is each issue, are you getting them individual or can you get both? Can you pay for both? You have to do it together so we've stopped like 14 and 15 come together 16 and 17 will come together you know like i said with there was a significant cost increase on Mm -hmm. the printing um which there's nothing i can do about it now because we already announced the two but i'd like to make it to 20 issues at Mm -hmm. least so i'm hoping we can make it to 20 i think it'd be cool if there were 20 issues of the blue rose but i want to go forever i mean we got I, you know, I would we, too. We don't have enough uh, Twin Peaks uh, resources out there still. To it's not up to me. Anything. It's up to people who are interested. Um, yeah, but yeah. I will say that the subscriptions have been really strong this time. Nice. Much yeah. stronger than for the art issue, and which might have been people just are not that interested in the art. You know, I don't know, but it's been a lot stronger right off the bat. So awesome. that's that's a good sign. Yeah. 
I think taking a break is always nice and like people don't realize what they miss until it's gone, right? You kind of took a year off and now people are like, damn, I I miss that magazine. So Well, and so many people keep saying to me, why don't you just do it digitally? And I've got news for you. We're never just doing it digitally. The reason I started the Blue Rose is because I liked getting wrapped in plastic back in the day. And I like the fact that we ship them out. Is it a pain? Oh my God, it's a pain. It sure. is such a pain. It's a horrible, <laughs> miserable pain. <laughs> but there is something special about having that physical thing yeah. that you hold on to. I can sit on my couch and I can go through the pages and read it. And there is something special about having a physical magazine. And there's, it seems like printing is a dying breed. You know, Entertainment Weekly has stopped printing. Yeah, I know. We outlasted the Entertainment Weekly. How about that? <laughs> You're better than Entertainment Weekly. They have gone well, downhill anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, I haven't subscribed to them since they didn't cover my 30 something buck. That's when I quit. Dare them. I was like, because they do so many other oral histories yep. that were like 30 something. And when they yeah. didn't, I was like, oh, it's solely because I'm not a huge corporation. That means all those other oral histories weren't better. They were just part of a corporation. Um, right. But I, I just remember, did you guys read in your version of the book? Because you got PDFs. Did you get Jeff Jensen's forward? No, no, we did. I not. was blank. It was blank. Okay, because now obviously it's in because it's at the printer. So that's good. So you'll have something new to read when the book comes out. It's so good. I can say that because it's not mine. He actually brings up a theory that I've never heard anyone say about Firewalk with me. And it was like so good that I was like, oh, I wish this wasn't like, why didn't I think of this? Nah. And why didn't I write about this? Mm. And isn't that exciting? Like I did yeah. a whole book and he just <laughs> says this forward and he just says something that made me wanted to write more, which is exciting. Cause I think that's everything about Firewalk with me. There's always a different way to look at it. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really good forward. I think you'll like it. Nice. And Scott, you kind of stayed away from theories, but I at one point you had a Cooper hair theory. And I was surprised you didn't. I don't think you touched on it. You didn't talk anything about Cooper and his hair at all. In the, well, in that's the because in the beginning of the book, I do a very funny thing about theories. And then obviously I couldn't come back and give any theories after yeah. I... I do my joke about theories and I didn't want the book to be that this book is yeah, not right. about theories. This book it's is true. about art. That is really what this is about, how they did it, the art that's out there and how it existed in that time. That is what this book covers. Yeah. And, you as a fan, books. I mean, and you as a fan, which I think a lot of us who are fans of Twin Peaks can probably relate to and stuff that how Twin Peaks has touched us and, 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 and helped us through our lives and stuff. Right. I mean, to me, that's the point, because, you know, if I pick a theory and honestly, I don't have one about Firewalk with me anyway. I think it is. Very, it's I never thought about this, but it might be Lynch's most straightforward film. Hmm. I mean, it pretty much is what it is, really. Right. So right it's underneath straight story, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight yeah. Story. Well, and both of them, Sweeney, right? Sweeney's involved with them. <laughs> I, yeah. And um I was really hoping that me and Mary were going to be buddies and I was going to get to do like a full on straight story interview with her. But oh. I, I mean, maybe maybe she's just busy, but yeah, I haven't, yeah. you know, because she's better I mean, than us, because we've reached out to her and I don't think we've gotten a response back. So you got more than a response. You got an interview and an excellent interview that I would recommend everybody check out. 
Well, I appreciate both of your kind words and as always your kindness to the community. And I can't believe I'm on the last episode ever of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. That's this right. Is, it's I always mean, our last episode. Point, we are retired. We are <laughs> officially retiring <laughs> we are again. Done. I will say though that Scott, thanks to you, I think we have like the Red Room podcast model more. I mean, we don't feel like we have to be out every single week if we want. If we want to do something for our show, we can do it when we feel like it. And I think you've been telling me that for years. And I have for us, it was kind of like, no, no, people forget about us. We have to be out every single week. <laughs> it's really funny because I told my son that I was going to be on your guys' show, and he doesn't give a damn yeah. about Twin Peaks at all. But he said. Didn't those guys quit? Didn't you have to do like some big whole thing where you edited together a bunch of actors to say goodbye to them? And I was like, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. For reminding me. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. And it took forever to to go through all that stuff. And oh. then you guys don't even quit. No, we don't. This, but this time we really are. This is really the last show. You know, we, it's, we, just, we, we, we couldn't it. end the series, the whole podcast, without uh, covering your book. Right. We we this actually held on to your one. book. Yeah. Um. It's <laughs> so funny. Uh, ben had an idea because we were like, "Well, we'll put one out maybe once a month or whenever we feel the time is right," which has been working out. But behind the scenes, Ben and me were discussing a, about something. And the thought of that, that idea of what was being floated, I was just like, I can't go back to weekly. And then luckily right. Ben said the same thing to me. And I'm like, thank God, because I didn't want to be that guy. But You're I'm right. like, I'm like, I'm ourselves. on vacation. I want to enjoy stuff like right. just week to week. is just too much. Too much. I think too also weird. like, you know, there's people out there with a the pandemic where they're like, they're quitting their jobs. They're realizing like, I don't want that. That's not, I mean, and, and it's almost, it almost feels like how you, you came to a revelation Scott, that like, this is not what I wanted. And so many people like that. I think for us, it was kind of like the same thing as like, we, I can't do that. I mean, it's too much. We did six years and I just can't do week to week anymore. I don't know how you did it. I didn't know how you were doing it when you were doing it. I oh, mean, I don't know how we did it either. I mean, there were right. some weeks that were crazy. <laughs> and you guys got good guests and all, and you know, big shows and all that stuff. Um, I mean, I always thought it was crazy. And I think, isn't it better? Like when you have something to say, you come back, you have a platform for it. I mean, it's the same with the Blue Rose. The first year we did four issues. I mean, obviously we're trying to start. And now I think two a year seems about right yeah. uh, for it anyway. So that's what yeah. I think it's good for Courtney and John and I to, you know, have we, cause I'm sure you guys miss each other. Like I'm, I, I always tell Courtney, I miss you when we're not working on an issue. Cause you're going back and forth and you have that, the fun of yeah, talking, right. but also yeah. it's a shit ton of work. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's true. It's special. It's special these times that we come together. It's so good to have you on the show, Scott. And I mean, I'm so impressed with what you've done. I think I, I texted you. You should make more Twin Peaks books. This should be the first of more. <laughs> I'm sure there's more that you could do. What is, if not Twin Peaks, what do you have any thoughts about? I do. Book? Oh, do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on my next book now. Um, I'm really excited about this book. It is, I, I, the working title is The Last Decade of Cinema. The 1990s. Wow. <laughs> so there was no more cinema after the 90s? Yeah. So uh, my problem with my books that I see, and feel free to edit this out because maybe no one cares, is that my books have been too 
nostalgia based and not piss you off enough. So I'm I'm coming up with this idea that the 90s were the last year they made good movies and there's been no good movies since really since September 11th is is what I'm going to really write about. That September 11th ended artists making risks in film. Wow. And so what I'm doing is I'm picking two movies from each year in the 90s, from 90 to 99. And I'm doing interviews. That's why, like with Natasha Gregson, she was in a movie called Two Girls and a Guy. That's one of the movies I'm focusing on. So I also interviewed her about that. And I'm kind of showing how I'm picking movies that took risks and were adult. And there's no superheroes in any of the movies I'm picking, Mm -hmm. but they're entertaining and they're adult. And I'm focusing on those. So right now the working title is the last decade of cinema. I want something that kind of pisses you off when you see it and makes you say, that's not true. Here's $25. You jerk. I want to read this book already. Uh, Sign me up. I mean, because you're so wrong, Scott, it's a whole, it's a whole, um, it's a whole other podcast we could talk about because well, I'm, I'm sure I'll be back. You, yeah. I'll be back on your last show. Our uh, last show. Yes, our last show. <laughs> and we got to start thinking about that last special show that show. we'll do for the end of the year special yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. Never ends. All right. We I, and I've shown this a million times, but thank you, Scott, for always yeah, uh, doing these special like uh, Christmas uh, holiday shows. And that always makes it so special. And you're so funny. And I do get people who say, it's like, when is Scott going to be on again? And he's so funny. And and I do get people who just love it. When it you're is on funny because also I get people who will send me, they'll ask me a question about if the blue rose is here are they subscribe and then they always say like i hear you on twin peaks unwrap so i mean people obviously are listening and we appreciate being jackasses so <laughs> <laughs> So, Scott, before we let you go, let everybody know where where they can find you on social media, where they can buy all the books on social media, all that stuff. So my personal Twitter is at Scott Luck Story. And then there's also at Blue Rose Mag one for Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm Blue Rose Mag and I'm posting a picture every day from Firewalk with me. I'm up to like I don't know, day 75 or whatever we're up to, but it's going all year long to celebrate Firewalk with me. You can subscribe to the Blue Rose at bluerosemag.com. Pick up any of the books, either there or FayettevilleMafiaPress.com. And we have a lot of exciting books coming out, you know. And if you have ideas, let us know because we're always open to it. And it's a dream come true. I'm I'm very lucky and I know that this happens because your listeners support the work that we do and we really appreciate it. Everything mentioned on today's show is in the show notes. So please subscribe to us on iTunes, we're on Google Play, like us on Facebook, follow us on the Twitter, a comment, a question or theory about today's show, give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped.gmail.com and we'll be back maybe in a Never. Month. Never. We're done. <laughs> Maybe we'll see you in a month. See you in a month. Maybe. Goodbye. Coffee time.